The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a new year 2021 edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We're going to be talking about DJ LeMahieu and whether or not the Yankees will actually be willing to spend for a shortstop if they let him go. Gary Sanchez's winter league season is over and Masahiro Tanaka refutes a report that it's Yankees or Japan or bust. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review and a mailbag question in that review. We're starting to see an uptick in Apple Podcast subscribers because I think people are as bored uh, as we are waiting for Yankees news, and they're just going to Apple Podcasts and typing Yankees podcast in there every 20 minutes in hopes that some story will have broken. Uh, it won't have, but we will be here when it does. Uh, but first... Thomas, uh, welcome back to the pod. Welcome to a fresh new year. Um, and we are our New Yorkers. Uh, we're Yankee fans. Uh, and like the good Yankee fans, we're also New York Giants fans. We are riding low after the Philadelphia Eagles bounced us out of the playoffs in a game that we didn't even play. Uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't open our national podcast just with a couple of ranting minutes, because what have the Yankees done to preempt uh, Giants, Washington football team, Eagles talk over the last two weeks? Nothing. So, so we got to talk about this. Absolutely nothing. Pertinent talking point, however, if you're a New Yorker, most Yankee fans, I would, I think I could venture to generalize to say that a lot of them are Giants fans. I guess a lot of them are Cowboys fans too. Yeah. If we yeah. want to talk about that, but do you think there are more Yankees, Cowboys fans than Yankees, Jets fans? I actually think there might be. There, yeah, I would, I would guess that that's the case. And then all the sad Met Jet fans are taking the seven train to City Field to cry about stuff. Um, but yeah, pretty devastating turn of events for what Philly did. The thing that pisses me off about this um, is because a, I hate Philadelphia. So the Yankees winning that 2009 World Series just continues to feel better by the day. Uh, Phillies also have the longest playoff drought in um the national league i believe uh so a city that prides itself on fighting until the end on never giving up now all of a sudden thinks it's hilarious to obviously tank and throw a game in the middle of a season in which we're in a global pandemic so i don't understand where 
I, I don't understand how you can have those two sides of the coin be part of your identity. Eagles fans think it's hilarious that they screwed the Giants out of the playoffs. I don't care that the Giants missed the playoffs. I'm not Mr. Let's get a better draft position uh, because how many times have we talked about it doesn't matter your draft position unless you have a top three pick. It matters how you evaluate talent, uh, talent what, your, uh, what your needs are, um, and if you have good scouts. And that's what it comes down to. But um, six and ten, they, the Giants didn't deserve to make it. I think they deserved at least uh, a valiant effort from the Eagles, who, once again, this is what they pride themselves on, playing spoiler down the stretch. How many times have we seen that? Now all of a sudden it's all fun and games when players are risking their livelihood out on the field during a global pandemic. And now it's, it's very funny to bench a quarterback in the fourth quarter when you're down by three points and then going forward on fourth down instead of tying the game. Doug Peterson shit-eating grin on his face after the game. And then it's just the pundits out there. You got to love it. Oh, well, you know, if the Giants won more than six games, this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Of course it wouldn't be a fucking issue, but you're going to yeah. sit here and tell me seven and nine is like much better. And the giants beat that seven and nine team twice. So I don't understand the logic to say that the say that giants fans shouldn't be mad at the Eagles for doing this fucking get over yourself. We're going to be mad at the Eagles for doing anything, even if it's anything good or gratuitous or whatever it's Philly versus New York. It's a, it's one of the most intense rivalries in sports. So yes, when the te- when the Eagles blatantly go out there and then have all these backhanded comments to drop after the game, laughing about how they threw their draft their draft spot only improved by three sp- three three uh three slots. So it's not six. like they did. It was six. No, no, it only improved by three slots, and they're only picking oh, six. Yeah. Everybody is going to be gone by six. Yeah. So like you threw the game to you didn't even really benefit yourself that much and you're laughing about screwing another team over once again we're going to devalue the fact that we're all playing during a global pandemic and it's it's funny to just i guess play a prank in the middle of it in the final game of the season in prime time so jokes on you philly jokes not on me aren't aren't i'm sorry like it's it's i feel like i'm just waking up and this is my first nfc east ever aren't the eagles and the washington football team also rivals like like yeah. aren't those also rivals it, it, the Eagles were not it wasn't down to the Giants or the Bengals making the playoffs like the Eagles were playing Washington with a chance to knock either Washington or the Giants out of the playoffs these are two teams you don't like and if you win you're throwing Washington in the trash heap and if you lose you're throwing the Giants in the trash heap it's a win-win uh so you're you're just doing this maneuver for it to to move up three slots in the draft uh not from four to one but from nine to six where you're, I guess, hoping for like LSU wide receiver, Jamar chase, who's probably going to go three, four or five. You're probably going to miss him. So you're probably just going to be picking. I saw a mock draft today that had them just picking a Penn state linebacker. Okay, cool. Couldn't they technically pick Devonta Smith. They could. Yeah. They could pick any one of these wide receivers. Who's going to go anywhere from like six to 18. They could do whatever they want, but like you're going to, you're going to risk it all. Uh, you're going to risk, by the way, Jalen hurts, probably your quarterback of the future. You're going to, uh, don't you, don't you, maybe you actually do have something to evaluate here. You, you kind of want to see what he does in a must win game and you benched your starting offense. So you really are saying Jalen hurts. What can you do for me in a must win in a playoff type game for a four and 11 team? And they were just like, no, we'd rather not. We, we have enough tape. We have three games worth of tape on Jalen Hurts. That's enough to make a decision on his future. We, we definitely want to bump up three spots in the draft. 
to get a weapon who like is one low hit away from being, you know, torn ACL immobilized for a year. That's how drafting works. You know, you're, you're taking one wide receiver. You think that's going to change your life. Like that guy's one low hit away or one high hit away from being out for an entire season. And then you're right back to the drawing board. Um, so if they had started Nate Sudfeld, that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, but they, they pulled him in the fourth quarter. Uh, they pulled Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter of a three-point game. It's, it's insane, and you can justify it any way you want. Um, it's just such a modern – obviously, the Eagles are better off picking three spots, you know, closer to the top of the draft. Obviously, no one is disputing that they're not – like, they're, not, they're obviously better off doing that. But it's such a 2020 – thing it's such an insidery little uh what every fan learned about tanking every fan is so excited to move the needle very slightly in the draft um you know it's not like winning that game wouldn't have been some great joy i don't begrudge the Eagles tanking it's just sort of embarrassing the way they did it the way they pretended afterwards that they didn't do it and the fact that uh you know washington theoretically is a team they also hate and in the aftermath, they're just pretending like they only hate one NFC East team. Um, if the Cowboys had beaten the Giants and the Eagles were keeping the Cowboys out of the playoffs by doing that, the NFL would have launched a formal investigation and would have taken the Eagles' first-round pick. <laughs> uh, and also, shout-out to all the media members who, like, hours after each other, kept independently coming up with the take that the Giants should have won more than six games if yeah, they wanted to be awesome. in the playoffs. Mike Francesa tweeted it, like, this morning. Like, oh, wow. Oh, brain genius Mike Francesa. You figured that one out overnight? Took a, took a long night's sleep to get to that path? Took a nice highway to figure out that maybe the Giants should have won more than six games. Yeah, no, I know. But uh, bottom line, the, the Giants tried hard all year and, and overcame a lack of talent to win six games. The, and, and that's apparently something they should be ashamed of. And the Giants and the Eagles tried damn hard to lose the last game of the season uh, so that they could get a higher draft pick and we're supposed to party and pretend like it's awesome to try to lose and it's pathetic to try to win and only win six games. Wow, that was like eight minutes on NFL talk. Um, on this Yankees podcast, um, uh, if, if subscribers increase, then, then we'll know what the subscribers want. Uh, I think the subscribers just want us mad. Honestly, we're going to call this episode. Adam and Thomas are furious. Uh, just see what happens. Um, but it is time to talk about the New York Yankees, our beloved Yankees who, who have not moved the needle in the same way. It, 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 honestly, the, the Yankees moving up three slots in the draft at this point would be the biggest story of the Yankees offseason. We're left with speculation. Uh, the DJ LeMahieu chase is probably not heating up. The suspects that we expected to be in the mix um, are to varying degrees. It would appear that what we called about a month ago is, is now come to pass. The Dodgers are, are probably the number one competitor. The Mets are lurking on the periphery. All that stuff about the Blue Jays being all in and Bo Bichette going to the media saying how much he loved DJ LeMahieu and how DJ was the best hitter in baseball, in his opinion, was probably smoke and mirrors. Um, it seems like it's going to be the Yankees or Dodgers, whether the Dodgers overpay or not is now the top story. But I do want to talk about something that's sort of floating around. Um, people, a certain sect of people, I think a lot of people do get it. Most people would, would rather keep DJ LeMahieu. Nobody is eager to jettison him. Uh, some people are cheering for his departure if he costs a little more than is palatable for them. Once again, not our money. We don't care. And, and no amount of money will hamstring the Yankees because there's no salary cap. But the Yankees are, are outright sort of telling the fan base that they do not want to spend. That is something they're saying repeatedly. Uh, they've made it clear LeMahieu is their top priority. 
but they want you to know about their financial losses this year, whether they're real or not. They've planted them into every interview that they've had. Every conversation includes this little subtext mention that, oh, we don't have that much money. By the way, we lost the most money during the global pandemic, FYI. Like they're really underscoring every conversation they have with the knowledge that they're trying to pass on to the fan base that they have less money than they want to have. Uh, so my question is, everybody's fantasy for DJ LeMahieu departing involves the Yankees playing around in the shortstop mix, uh, either this offseason with a trade for Trevor Story or Francisco Lindor, or waiting until next offseason and sacrificing a year of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge's prime to then do the shortstop move, move Glaber to second base, and go play in the deep end of the pool for Lindor, Story, Seager, Carlos Correa, Javier Baez. Um, do you actually buy this? This, this still feels like fantasy to me somewhat. I'm not sure we've seen any confirmation from the Yankees that they would go spend big for a shortstop if they lost LeMahieu. There's a reason LeMahieu's their top priority because he's $100 million at least cheaper than any top shortstop they could pick up either this offseason or next offseason. It really does feel like this is just fans rationalizing it to make themselves feel better. Is, do, you really, do you actually believe the Yankees are waiting around for a shortstop? They're telling us they're not going to spend. Do you really believe they're going to do that? I don't, I'm not necessarily buying anything or thinking they're going to do something. I'm just expecting them to do it because I don't understand why you would think losing DJ LeMahieu and not replacing it with some, look, I don't think any of the shortstop options that are, who would you trade? You would probably be able to trade for realistically Francisco Lindor and Trevor Story this year. You're not getting Correa. The Cubs, the report came out that they're talking an extension with, Javi Baez and Corey Seager's not going anywhere um, until at least after next season. So you're looking at Lindor and story. And if those are your only two options, they're both free agents after this year. They're both stories making 18 and a half million. I think uh, Lindor is making 19 and a half million. We just saw these trade prices that it costs to acquire Blake Snell and you Darvish. And we know starting pitching, especially under control contractual control is a lot more expensive than a rental player. So I don't know that neither of those guys are going to exactly replicate what DJ LeMay he was capable of, but it will give the Yankees a more favorable situation in terms of what they're comfortable with. It will add another potent bat to the lineup. It'll ship Glaber Torres back to a position that they feel more comfortable with, which is very clear at this point. I think it's, it's abundantly clear that they don't want Glaber Torres at shortstop or else they wouldn't have said the things that they said this off season, which kind of leads me to believe that, they're going to be totally content if somebody outbids them for LeMahieu, whether it's the Dodgers or the Blue Jays. So I don't, I'm not buying that they're going to do it. As a fan, I expect them to do it because you just watch the Rays get worse, exponentially worse. I know the Rays are still going to be annoying and they're still going to be somewhat of a contender, but you, not many teams have that type of turnover and then insert you know, a top prospect or a couple of peripheral free agents and get back to where you were the year before. It just doesn't work like that. Um, and, you know, you're watching all these guys go, uh, you're watching Snell go to the national league. So you're out with him. You don't have to deal with him anymore. The Red Sox aren't doing anything. The blue Jays have seemingly inserted themselves into every discussion imaginable yet have not done shit. So this is the Yankees time to pounce and do something rather than just sit on the quote win that the teams around them have gotten worse because it doesn't work like that. You don't sit there and benefit off of other teams or people's dumb decisions. 
you need to create your own destiny and you need to create your own favorable situation. And that's what they need to do. So am I buying that they're going to do it? Haven't really thought about that. Now you're kind of in my head. I just expected them to do it because this is what, you know, kind of Yankees exceptionalism is. It's okay, great. We lost out here. Guess what? We're going to smack you in the face with this acquisition. And if they're not willing to give up prospects for one year of a high annual uh, salary, then I don't know. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi. And say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. What this team is doing, because it's the perfect scenario if you're looking at either Story or Lindor. They're not going to cost a lot. Both of them are clearly not staying with their teams beyond this year. So the Rockies and the Indians are going to be looking for some sort of asset in, in a deal for either of them as they ex- hope to expedite whatever rebuild they're about to undergo. And you can play the card that, okay, we're going to let Lindor play it out at short. We're going to let Story play it out at short for 2021. We're going to see how it goes. If it doesn't work out, then maybe we'll chase Corey Seager in free agency. Or maybe we'll go after Javier Baez if he doesn't sign an extension. So the options are there, and the cost is seemingly low. Once again, we're not immersed in these negotiations. We don't know what the Indians are asking for. We don't know what the Rockies are asking for. But we venture to say, based on the few trades that we've seen so far during this very uncertain offseason, that – the price will not be prohibitive. The Yankees have a ton of depth to deal from and, and prospects to part with that will not hurt them whatsoever. A lot of these guys are blocked by all the talent at the major league level. So I expect it to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I think we should be mad because you can't lose a player like LeMayhew and not even look to replace him. And the one-year stopgap option is not, in my mind, is not a realistic scenario to do anything. If you're nope. looking to contend this year, and next year, you need somebody who's going to be playing shortstop on your team next year on the team this year because the continuity is going to be very important year over year, especially with that important of a position. And you can't miss a beat. So the time to make a deal is now. It's a buyer's market. The teams are selling off debt. They want to get rid of it. The fact that the Yankees aren't pouncing, I know that they're not pouncing because it's taking time to for LeMahieu to make his decision, but – there needs to be other move. There needs to be other moves considered, and if they don't do anything monumental, if he leaves, then it's it's a monumental failure. Yeah, and you can't rely on other teams' stupidity if you don't get better yourself. And and who learned that lesson better than us yesterday when we had to rely on the stupid Philadelphia Eagles to help out uh, their NFC East brothers, which they were never ever going to do. So go out and be the Yankees, stomp on people. Uh, don't rely on other teams getting worse to help you in any way. That's uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite topic, Gary Sanchez in the winter league. Stick around. Welcome back to the Yanks go yard podcast, folks. We really tried. We tried to lay off Gary Sanchez in the winter league. We didn't want to act like people who were rooting for his demise because we're not, we cannot say that loud enough. If Gary Sanchez hits 30 homers, and it's 240, the Yankees have the best catcher in baseball at a relative bargain in his arbitration years. So uh, we want that. We want Gary Sanchez to be good. 
the strikeouts will come. We understand we want Gary Sanchez to be good more than anything, but, but almost as much as we want Gary Sanchez to be good, we want people to stop tweeting Gary Sanchez winter league doubles in all caps uh, when he goes one for four with three strikeouts. And we want people to stop acting like his winter league highlights are gospel. Most importantly, we want people to stop acting like he was anywhere close to competent in 2020 or 2018 or in the second half of 2019. He was not. It was sad. He was not. So unfortunately, we let Gary Sanchez be in the Winter League. Stop paying attention to people enthusiastically tweeting on either side of the aisle. And it turns out that though he was pretty excellent in his first couple of games, he ended up hitting right around 240 with 19 strikeouts and 53 at-bats. Thomas... Can we acknowledge now uh, that whether we paid attention or not to the winter league, it told us, it told us something about his work ethic. It told us he was willing to go down and never gave up. And so those who are calling Gary Sanchez lazy are idiots. He's never been lazy whether you don't like his defensive stance or whatever, he's never been lazy. He doesn't want to be bad. That's a ridiculous take from, uh, from Dumbo's, but he, he's been good for half of the last three years. And, and even that is a stretch. He was trending down by the all-star break and he wasn't good again in the winter. So he's going to keep working, but he, he said last week, he wasn't sure why he was benched. Uh, we are sure we were totally sure he, he was among the worst players on the team. We, we were sure. Um, and so he worked extra hard this winter and it doesn't appear to have paid off yet. Can we now acknowledge that we, we learned he's willing to work in case somebody didn't know that, but we didn't really learn anything else from his Dominican Winter League tenure. Yeah, I think the good part, I think it's gotten the Dumbos out of this discussion, and now it's just down to the people who back Gary blindly without regardless of the evidence and the people who uh, – because I don't think anybody just hates Gary for no reason. I think people don't like Gary – because of his output and because of how he's largely been a letdown since his first couple of years in the league, which, you know, took, which got the fan base overly excited for his future. And then it kind of just dissipated out of nowhere. And like you said, yeah, the first half of 20 first half ish of 2019 was great. Um, But it hasn't, he's batted 200 since the start of 2018. That's not good. He was among the worst player. You said, worst players on the team. He's among the worst players in baseball last year. Uh, 60 game sprint, a lot different. Like I said, at the end of the year, I don't think we should hold. I I think it was smart for the Yankees in the end to offer him the contract because you can't really hold somebody accountable in either direction. Like, like we talked about, I think uh, Trevor Bauer's Cy Young, uh, Cy Young campaign is a massive overreaction. I'm not going to criticize him or try to, take him down from, you know, the, the heights that he's reached, but let's be real. He's not a 1.74 ERA pitcher and Gary Sanchez isn't a one, one forty hitter. It's just not the, not, not what it is. Uh, but fans like, you know, like we talked about, we didn't want to track his every move in the Dominican Republic because then it's either you're reporting on him hitting a home run off of some schmuck that you never heard of or a Yankees fringe fringe prospect like Albert Abreu or you're just posting strikeouts of him looking really bad against lesser competition. And in the end, he finished with a 245 average, 789 OPS, 19 strikeouts in 15 games, which is right on par with his 64 strikeouts in 49 games this past season. Um, It's not great, but as we've said a million times before, nothing matters until he's performing for the Yankees in 2021. 
his output this next season will determine everything. I like the fact that he went down there to work out. I like what I heard from his teammates after the season ended, that he was right back in the cage talking with coaches, trying to work out the kinks and diagnose the problem. Uh, not sure about those end-of-the-year comments where he was confused about why he was benched. It was very clear. I don't like that lack of self-awareness, but, hey, you're a competitor. You want the best for you. You want to be on the field at all times. I can understand that perspective as well. But, yeah, I mean, how many, we, how many tweets did we see of those two home runs in the Dominican League? Gary Sanchez just hit it a mile. He hit a 3-0 fastball over the left field wall at, like, some high school field in the middle of the Dominican Republic. Like very cool. Glad he's making contact. Glad he had a couple of these moments, but it's not at all indicative of what he's going to do. Like we said, the struggles are more indicative of what he's going to do, but I am more apt to ignore those because I don't even want to think about that. He hit an awesome home run in 2022. He had a grand slam off Drew Smith of the Mets. That was great. That was a great grand slam. You yeah. could clip that and say Gary to the moon. He, he hit a ball to the moon off Nathan Evaldi too. But the season was terrible. He was, he was unplayable most of the time. You couldn't wait around for the homers. It, it would have been great. It, you know, I think if, you know what, ha crazy, crazy statement coming for me. If you could have guaranteed me Gary Sanchez would have hit a home run in every ALCS game, ALDS game, yeah, I would have started him. The, the, yeah, that would have been great. A home run per game, amazing. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, and the output wasn't nearly consistent enough. And like you said, the Dominican Winter League, you know, it's overanalyzing no matter which way you slice it, whether you are crazy angry that he started slumping or thrilled that he hit two home runs in the, in the first couple games. I feel, like the, I feel like Bill Simmons doing aggregators come and get us. Uh, clip, clip this section, aggregators, this is for you. Um, but, you know, I, I don't have any wide sweeping generalizations on Gary Sanchez, but people are going to take the fact that I'm not impressed as I hate Gary Sanchez. It's going to get clipped. And, oh, there, oh, another bad take. Another Gary hater. No, I love Gary Sanchez. I, I don't love making too big a deal out of whatever he did. And I feel like it's necessary to point out that while every, everybody got mad at us for saying, don't pay attention to the Dominican Winter League, then everyone stopped paying attention to the Dominican Winter League. And when they stopped paying attention, Gary Sanchez started playing poorly. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say you can't get angry when we say stop paying attention to it when he's doing well. Then everybody stops paying attention to it for real when he's not doing well. Um, so he finished the season poorly. Hopefully he comes out on a better foot next year. Um, now pivoting slightly to someone who we'd said goodbye to, then greeted again, and then now are probably going to have to, you know, throw back into the square one category of conversations. Masahiro Tanaka, who we all sort of agreed was probably going to get two years, 30-something million. Um, you know, when, when the season ended, I think we all expected Tanaka would be somebody who we would not see um, again in a Yankee uniform because someone else is going to value him more highly. And, and once again, someone who we also are very aware of his bag of tricks, right? We, we all sort of know what Tanaka brings. There's a chance he dominates in the playoffs. There's a chance he throws six shutout innings in any given day. And then there is a pretty good chance that every month he's going to have a four, four inning, six run game. Um, I think we all, some of us were ready for more Tanaka. Most of us were ready to say goodbye. Then it came out last week that he was down to either the Yankees, uh, either a discount with the Yankees, a two year, 10 million AAV type thing, maybe 12 million AAV, or he would go back to Japan. He'd always wanted to finish his career with the Rakuten Golden Eagles. Maybe this was the time to do that. Um, Tanaka himself tweeted 
uh, on Saturday, uh, or maybe it was Friday night, but either way, tweeted that the, you know, the reports were erroneous. We are happy to talk to any team that's interested in my services, et cetera. Uh, part negotiating ploy, maybe part legitimate uh, summary of the conversations he's currently having. Either way, it doesn't seem like it's Yankees or Japan or bust at this point. It kind of does feel like Tanaka is still open to conversations, and, and there is that chance that we all assumed that maybe a pitching desperate team like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim will miss out on Trevor Bauer and will go to Tanaka. The Yankees aren't going to do anything until DJ LeMahieu makes his decision, and DJ LeMahieu is not going to make his decision until we get word on whether the season is starting on time, whether it's 162 games, et cetera, et cetera. What we saw this weekend indicates that there is – Currently, no indication that spring training will be delayed, which is kind of crazy because it's going to open in a month and a half. <laughs> Players are going to have to start going to Florida and Arizona in the next month. So the fact that we still don't think it's delayed is kind of nuts. Um, no Tanaka movement in, in, in any capacity if he's going to be a Yankee until we have DJ movement. Uh, but Tanaka still seems open to other solutions, which would mean we're sort of back to the beginning here. Yeah, I, I was hoping that it was just going to be Japan or the Yankees because it kind of put us in a good situation where he would kind of wait it out this offseason to see what the deal was after the LeMahieu situation was solved. Um, and then his his team, his, the Rakuten Golden Eagles, will take him back at any moment. So it's not like he's, he's going to be having to come down to the wire with a contract um, with a Japanese team. That's not going to be an issue whatsoever. Um, so I don't like how there's other options out there. I don't really want to see him pitch elsewhere. And I don't really like that he refuted the report because that I guess would maybe mean that he's open to pitching elsewhere aside from the Yankees in Japan. Um, nonetheless, I just think it's dumb that this is still kind of hinging on what happens with LeMahieu because pitching and DJ LeMahieu should not, have any sort of connection uh the Yankees greatest need is pitching each and every year so the fact that it's hinging on a guy as good as LeMahieu but we know he's going to cost money so it shouldn't really matter if this was between LeMahieu and Bauer I think that's a different story I think that makes a little bit more sense because you're looking at two blockbuster deals you're looking at a little bit kind of a dinky deal for Masahiro Tanaka and this is coming from a team that just paid Jay Hap 17 million dollars or you know two years ago paid Jay Hap 17 million dollars last year got lucky because of uh the prorated salaries and if his option had vested he would have made 17 million in 2021 so we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna pay for that kind of production and then there's gonna be hesitation on the Tanaka front and then you add in the fact that the Yankees are seemingly out on the Tomoyuki Sagano sweepstakes. That's what we saw today. We, uh, we learned that the Mets, Blue Jays, and San Francisco Giants are the only three teams there making any traction. Breaking he, news, breaking news on that. Apparently the Mets are out too, by oh, the way. So now so. it's just Blue Jays and the Mets, dude. How funny. The Mets go from buying every free agent to getting in on all these bargain free agents and now removing themselves from the bargain free agents. Like why would they not more heavily pursue Sugano unless they know that he doesn't want to go there? Maybe he or said to he George Springer, they just have to save all their money for George Springer. Like wasn't, I thought Steve Cohen was going to be everybody. It was yeah. everybody. You don't have to save money for anyone. I, I don't know. Mm, interesting. I, I really don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe he, maybe he wants to go to the West coast to be closer with Japan. That's what we've seen sometimes with these, with these guys. 
He's going all Maybe the way to the East Coast. Maybe situation like uh, the, the Otani situation where he straight up said, I'm not pitching yeah. for the Yankees. I'm not, he's like, I'm not going to the Mets. Sorry, no, no chance. Yeah. Who knows, but the Yankees... Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. These are out on on the Sugano sweepstakes, which now takes them out of the market for a cost-effective pitcher. He was supposed to grab a posting fee, uh, you would guesstimate, between 8 and $12 million. And then there were some predictions of a two-year $20 million deal, two-year $24 million deal. That's pretty much nothing. He's... The Cy Young winner in Japan, those guys have typically come over and, and been solid. So that's a bargain deal for the middle back end of the rotation, which the Yankees very much need stabilization. I, 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 I don't know. Once again, confused with the Yankees' plans this offseason. I know that most teams' operations are undefined at this point. But for a team that has a lot to prove, like the Yankees, and values continuity a lot, and we're, we're seeing the team MVP out there just hanging in the balance, not sure what's going on. And we're seeing a guy who's pitched for us for the last seven years, longest tenured dude in the rotation, who has largely been very good for us, have his future very much under wraps and very quiet. And it's January of 2021. I can't say I'm not concerned. I'm not exactly panicking, but I don't feel good. No, it's, it's epic offseason so far. DJ LeMahieu is having conversations with the one team that probably does have enough money to sign him. Masahiro Tanaka is, whether he's Yankees or bust or not, is basically just sitting there saying, I will take any amount of money to come back to the Yankees. And the Yankees are saying, chill, dude, chill. And then uh, I had my whole four months of uh, COVID preparations and lockdown and everything ruined by uh, Nate Sudfeld and, and Doug Peterson and, and also uh, President Donald Trump. So shout out to him. But we've had an incredibly tough football season in which, uh, you know, teams didn't get to see their families when we're locked down. And one coach decided to take that away from the state of New York. Um, and now the New York Yankees are, are sort of sitting in isolation, too, saying, everybody wait. We, we've got a one-man plan. Everybody chill. It'll all be okay or it won't be. So we need DJ LeMayhew um, to, to maybe produce an offer and give it to the Yankees soon so that we can get that matched. People are still saying he, he's likely to come back, but you know what? Hasn't been a lot of Yankees buzz in the last couple of weeks. You'd be right to be antsy uh, and you'd be right to be as bothered as we are. Folks, that is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. It's 2021, supposed to be a better year than 2020. Um, and I would say, give me the evidence. God, just, just show me the evidence. It'd be, it'd be great to, to get a little bit of that in front of my eyeballs. Because as of now, still in a holding pattern. And nothing in the holding pattern is making me feel particularly good about the direction of the franchise, which MLB.com still power ranked as third behind the Dodgers and Padres only. So I guess, I guess I'm annoyed about the best team in the American League. But I'm still annoyed. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. Make sure to drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. Um, that question can be angry in nature. We would totally understand if that were the case. Um, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrich. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Anybody from Philly, I'm ready to hear from you. You're all jerks. Nobody really likes you. This is the reason that you're ostracized every single year. 
by fans from all over the place. It's not just New York. It's not just Dallas. It's not just Boston or whatever it is. You just suck. Head on over to YanksGoyard.com. We'll tell you more about how you suck. Head on over to the YanksGoyard official Twitter account at YanksGoyardFS. We'll be there to talk about everything. And until then, we'll see you on Wednesday. Wow. Remember when the Eagles had a championship core with Carson Wentz, Al Sean Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and also the Dream Team? Where, where'd those rosters go? Where, where are they? I don't remember those rosters. Um, until then, it, it, you, let me know where those rosters are. Pop in the mailbag. Let me know where the Eagles uh, core from 2018 went. That wasn't that long ago. Until next time, hoping for some answers on Wednesday. We will see you. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.